Good morning and welcome to episode 42 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here today. It's great to have you here. It really is. Guys, if you've left a review and a rating for the show on iTunes, thank you very much. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, please head over and do that right after today's episode. Leave a review and a rating on iTunes. I really appreciate all of them. They help grow the show and they help foster this design community that we are building. So thank you in advance for that. Today's show. Now, my guest today is Sheldon Popiel. He is the creative director at District Ventures. Now, District Ventures is a sister company to Venture Communications out of Alberta. Now, Venture Communications was founded by Arlene Dickinson, and you might know that name from Dragon's Den. She was one or is one of the dragons on Dragon's Den. Not to mention she started a very successful marketing firm. Venture Communications. Um, So District Ventures, twice a year, will invest $150,000 with 10 Canadian food and beverage uh, or health and wellness entrepreneurs in exchange for, you know, a minority stake in their company. But it's an accelerated program. So they rapidly help them increase sales, distribution, design, packaging design, marketing support, um, workshops on tax and accounting and, you know, all of those things. Five months of just hardcore acceleration business growth. So they are doing amazing things for Canadian entrepreneurs. And Sheldon's job is to help steer that ship in the creative direction. He's got a great team, a small team, but a quickly building team. And he shares all of that with us. Now, most of Sheldon's previous career has been with stock companies as designer, creative director, and co-founder of a number of stock-related companies. So stock photos, stock videos, and those sort of things. So the switch over to creative director at District Ventures was a big career move for him. And he tells us all about that. We also talk about cereal. Yeah, the breakfast cereal, like breakfast cereal. Um, And he shares an amazing project story with us for one of the stock companies he worked at. They created a summer activity book for creatives. It sounded like a really fun project and he shares that with us. I really enjoyed chatting with Sheldon. He has got some great advice for all kinds of creatives. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this one. It is a treat. Sheldon Popiel. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Sheldon. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dick? I'm doing great. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Are you ready for a Quickie? Yep. All right. Well, let's start with the toughest question first. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a, um, I'm a dad primarily, and then I'm a creative director in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I went to the University of Alberta in Edmonton, got my Bachelor of Design, and then have had a pretty long career um, in the stock licensing business. Um, I started with Adobe. From that point on, we started and sold many companies. Um, iWire, we sold to Getty Images. Worked with them for a while. We started a company um, called Veer, and then sold that to Corbis Images. 
And then um, most recently um, started a company called Dissolve, which was a, a move into stock footage. Uh -huh. um, and then most recently I've, I've moved on from that um, and took a complete turn to try and learn a little more. And, and now at District Ventures, um, working on some consumer packaged goods for some entrepreneurs and small businesses. That's cool. So a definite, uh, you know, took a turn to challenge yourself a bit more then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you always have to do that. That's very cool. And so you had mentioned dad or off number one. I appreciate that. Uh, I, have yeah. three, I have three kids myself. My oldest actually has a middle school tour later this afternoon. So that's uh, the big change in our household right now. But, oh, uh, right on. Yeah. How many kids yeah, do you I, have? I have, I have three. Um, my oldest daughter is 15. I have a son who's 12. And then we have uh, a new addition that's almost three. So almost he's three. kept things really interesting around the place. <laughs> I bet. I bet he has. <laughs> that's great. Staying creative all the time. Cool. And now you're a creative director at District Ventures, you had mentioned. Do you want to give a brief sort of summary on District Ventures and what that is? Uh, so District Ventures is um, it's an accelerator program from um, Arlene Dickinson from the Dragon's Den. You might have heard of her. Um, um, it's uh, an accelerator that we anything that she funds, um, some of the the smart startups, the entrepreneurs that she gets into her program, they come through our our doors, and then we work on some of their brands, um, take them to the next level with their marketing, their packaging. Um, it's been a real interesting change for me. I've spent most of my career in the digital content side of things, um, so not actually selling real goods. And so this is this has been a, a really really fun fun change for me. That's cool. That's a great description. So that is all about the Sheldon. Now I want to go way back in time here, not way back, just just. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I want to hear about what your childhood was like, and do you feel that you had a creative childhood, and and did that lead you in this sort of creative career direction? Yeah, I think so. I'm 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 a, a bit older now than uh, maybe some of your listeners, but I um when I grew up there was you know no smartphones, um, even computers were kind of starting. I was you know born in the 70s, and so. I think I think looking back now compared to even my kids, um, there was a lot of capacity to use your imagination and you know and you know the kind of toys I played with like Lego and you know even the fascination with Star Wars and all this kind of stuff really fueled a lot of that creativity. But um, I think just just this notion of you know you, you always had to find something to do and you have to be creative. Um, I painted a lot. Um, that's really how I found my my intro into design um, it was through through art and so that was something i did regularly so you know a lot of kids were out doing other other things i'd be playing street hockey and doing stuff like that and then i'd be inside in the basement painting as odd as that sounded <laughs> <laughs> and what uh, what primarily were you painting was it all over the place or was there sort of specific images that you would work on well, when I started, you know, you kind of as a kid, you do the things you like, but then you get rewarded for the things that other people like. And so, you know, my parents and all their friends, it was more, you know, wow, he can really draw things like very realistic. So mm -hmm. I kind of went that direction. And so, you know, I'd be doing a lot of, you know, um, representational paintings of even animals and stuff like this and at a young age. And, and then I started selling some of them too. So that was kind of an interesting foray into this, like, well, you can actually make, you know, a business out of this kind of thing and, you know, selling a, a painting for 50 bucks to a, one of my dad's friends or something. But, yeah. but it was kind of, um, it's kind of a fun thing. And later when I went to, um, the university of Alberta, I started in a, 
a fine arts program. And um, all of that kind of came to a screaming halt when I had, um, you know, instructors that were colorists like Graham Peacock and who poured his paint on canvases. And it was just a, it was a real interesting, you know, that kind of painting wasn't really respected at the same level. So I, I learned a ton that way too, even, even how to think back like how kids should think why shouldn't this be blue abstract expressionism and all that kind of stuff so (laughs) but yeah but I was but I was constantly painting or drawing something and and that was kind of um, how I spent my time (laughs) wow so at an early age you you know discovered that you can make some money at this creative thing at, at doing art and design yeah so I thought and that was you know the painting thing like wow this is this is neat and you know as I got commissioned to do things um, from schools. I remember even even in high school, um, there was a, a going away gift to our principal. And at the time, um, the school commissioned me to do a painting for him. So it was interesting things like that that kind of led me to go, okay, well, there's something to follow here. It's interesting seeing how painting leads into it. Uh, the interview actually that just went posted today was a gentleman named Yuri Schvetz, and he owns an agency down in Seattle. And back when he was younger, he was born in the former Soviet Union, and he was hired as a kid to paint heavy metal band logos um, on the back of like the leather jackets of the gangsters in his area, like a really rough area. So it's like awesome. <laughs> such a you know a unique uh, approach you know into this sort of design creative field. Well, and one, uh, it's not as edgy, cool as the, you know, the logos on the back of the jackets. But I remember in, I think it was grade five or six, uh-huh. I, um, I drew Michael Jackson. So this is when he was, you know, on his rise up. And um, I drew a, a pencil sketch of him and then I photocopied it and I started selling it to the kids at, on the playground and whatever, quarter at a time kind of thing. And it was, yeah. uh, it was funny. It was like, wow, they're actually going to pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The most talented that I got uh, when I was a kid painting anyways was, you know, one of those paint by numbers. You had like the, the imagery of like the old World War II planes or something flying through the sky yeah, yeah. and all paint by number. And that would, I'd be so proud of myself when I finished one of those things. I had no creative. <laughs> would you follow input. the numbers? I just followed the numbers. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but it looked good. It made me feel good. That's awesome. I never followed the numbers. I'd be going, okay, this is this is cool, but what if we did this? And I kind of started doing my own thing, which yeah. never successfully finished those ones. <laughs> <laughs> Number 29 shouldn't be blue. That should be green. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so take us back to when you first started noticing design out in the world. What did you start seeing? Um, I think for me, like at the time, I didn't really think of design in, in that capacity, but I remember like cereal boxes as a kid, you know, you're constantly eating cereal and even in the early 80s kind of thing like um i I remember noticing that a lot of the type on on the boxes and what was interesting is that back then i didn't know you know even there was such a thing as typefaces or all that kind of stuff but i remember going like wow all this all this writing is in different styles and Mm -hmm. that fascinated me and i'd always you know, look for that in the grocery stores and all that kind of stuff. And so to me, that was one that now looking back was kind of a, oh, I started noticing design out there and uh, not really even noticing what it was Mm -hmm. or even how that that could be something you could do. (laughs) (laughs) That is a moment. You're not the first guest uh, to say that the cereal box aisle was the first time they noticed it as a kid. Well, and, and and now now that I'm working on you know consumer packaged goods, it's interesting. I haven't worked on any cereal boxes, but that'd be nice to go full circle. <laughs> totally to- would. So, what was your favorite cereal as a kid? Then, what was your go-to? Um, I think 
I, I liked Captain Crunch was always the the go to cereal wise, but um, again, we'd always try new things just because it was, you know, oh, what, what that would taste like. That looks really cool. Or, but at the time, it was like they even had things like you know Sugar Crisp and C three POs and all these like really bad for you cereals. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I remember I, at one point, what was the what was the one I heard a, a comedian I think it was Seinfeld was talking about. Um, they finally had to say, okay, enough is enough. And there was, there was one, um, one cereal and it was basically chocolate chip cookies that you put milk oh, on. Yeah, I forget I what know. the name of it was, but it was like, yeah, it's like, okay, enough's enough. We, this is not healthy for our kids. We got to start, <laughs> start going backwards. Next thing you know, there's like bacon O's. You're just pouring like bacon out of the, <laughs> putting milk on it. <laughs> totally. It's like, like actual chocolate chip cookies. Like there's nothing, it's no, it doesn't taste like them. It's like, this is <laughs> dessert. <laughs> okay. So this is the real tough question then. If you were a Captain yep. Crunch fan, I was a Captain Crunch fan. So yep. with Crunch Berries or without? Without. What? Sure. Without. No. I'm Sheldon. a purist, man. Simplicity. <laughs> I'm sorry. Design is all about simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> okay well thanks thanks dave we'll <laughs> thanks for your time sheldon yeah see you later <laughs> that, okay. and that was the quickie yeah okay so um then what has been the most influential design of your life so far either something you've seen or something you've been a part of um well it's interesting because um i kind of got onto the whole design thing just a little bit out of necessity like um even going through university it was um that whole painting thing that i was making money doing earlier i remember even some um some of my instructors were flat out saying you know don't expect to make a living doing this you should do it for other reasons and 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 that all makes sense but when you're sitting there going i, I was going to go into business at the university and then i took fine arts um that doesn't really fly so i ended up um so that was out of necessity. I started going into you know photography and then graphic design. Um, so the serial things were something that really caught my eye. And then um, I think later on is really when I kind of got some either saw some stuff that really hit me. Um, and and it wasn't right at the time when I was deciding to go into design. It was way later, mm -hmm. and it was already doing the craft. But um, as far as a campaign kind of thing goes, or something um, to me, one that really really hit me was the Dove um, campaign for real beauty. And and to me, it was more of a simplicity of the idea and then how how communicating, you know, what happens to a you know, regular regular woman and, and to how you see her on a billboard. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was amazing to think, okay, you could actually do this. You could actually affect people at that level where within under a minute, you can take them from here to here. And, and that, that really, really blew me away. Um, as, as far as, um, you know, something I've kind of, that was kind of one that really made me think, think about design and what I can do. Yep. Um, and to me, the kind of the most influential stuff in my whole career, I think was my days at Veer and Veer was really, a, it was a stock image company. Um, but our take on it was we, you know, all of our competitors were, were speaking to fellow creatives in, in such a, such a horrible way. They, they wouldn't design things right. They would kind of speak down to them. Like we know we're the art directors. We know what you want. And we basically approached it as we're a fellow creative and, you know, everything we do comes from that same place. And mm -hmm. even when we named the company Veer, it was about that, um, veering with your ideas. And so for me, that whole experience of, you know, speaking, speaking to the audience that you're inspired by 
and influencing them. And we heard later that, um, you know, that's exactly what Veer did, which was which is completely amazing and, and humbling because the bar is so high when you're speaking to fellow creatives. You can't fake it. And so I think um, that whole thing, uh, the Veer thing, um, was was probably the most influential thing that I've been a part of. Man, those are some great ones for sure. I remember that Dove campaign. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just wow. <laughs> just where, where it could take, um, you know, a viewer in, in understanding and, um, you know, even empathy, I think, for, for lack of a better term, right? Sort of a, a new level of understanding. Yeah, and then even seeing something that we knew, like as creatives, you knew what happened. You knew the airbrushing and the, the touch-ups and all these things and being able to remove blemishes. And you just knew all this. But to all of a sudden expose that, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty powerful. And, you know, people around me were like, whoa, this is amazing. And, and you know, partially it wasn't that amazing for us because we knew what you could do. And But the rest of the world didn't. And that that was pretty amazing. Yeah, being there. So who is a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Um, designer that I closely follow or um, look up to. Um, yeah, or a brand. I don't, I don't closely follow a lot of them. Um, for me, I kind of, um, I've learned early on to not not try and get influenced too much from, mm-hmm. um, from watching what's going on around you. Um, especially today, you just get flooded so much. Um, I think as far as a designer goes, um, not to get too heavy on you, but I think probably in the greatest sense, um, I'd say God, and like as a designer, as a, as a Christian, when I experience God's creation, I just like whether it's mountains, sunset, um, or even how profound it was holding my my kids for the first time, mm-hmm. even seeing them develop, I just to experience his creation is unlike anything else. Like I, I remember hearing once and it, it completely um, rung true with me is like, you know, you, you tire of the things man makes, but you don't tire of the things God makes. And and that's always stuck with me as I'm building things as a creative myself. And it's it's very humbling. Um, I know as, as far as a designer goes, who would maybe be second to God would probably be Massimo. <laughs> <Big Nelly. laughs> I think most people God. would say second to God. But yeah, I, I think Massimo's... Um, I don't know his his impact on the world of of design is is unreal. We did a film with Veer um, called Helvetica, and um, uh, we co-produced that uh, with Gary Huswit, and um, he was interviewed for that as well. And it was I never got a chance to meet him during that, but um, yeah, I know to me like just the way he'd solve design problems with such a simple simple solution, and I mean even the, the nature of using Helvetica mm-hmm. in probably ninety. Five percent of his work, um, but yeah, it's just completely fascinating and uh, a real lesson, I think, for for a lot of us who think you need so much to solve a problem, and you just go back to the masters like that, and you say, "Here's here's how it's done." <laughs> and I like I love what you did with the question. I love what you did with turning it. <laughs> um, so I want to. I got a few questions here that'll take you back down, sort of maybe a, maybe a dark, rough path. But uh, okay. I promise I'll turn it around at the end. Um, okay, good. What's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? Um, most challenging. I think there's been a bunch. Like when you first start out, you're you know you're eager to do everything, but it's also you you run up to some roadblocks pretty quick. Uh-huh. Um, 
I've been doing this for, would it be since I graduated in 1995. So it's been a, a lot of years and I've, I've had a lot of success, but I think the most challenging time for me has probably been the last couple of years. And, um, and it's interesting because even that surprises me. Um, you know, you think, okay, you follow your career and you get some big home runs and you do a lot of great work and, and, um, all of a sudden you realize that, you know, it's, it's not done. You want to do a lot more and you want to do some, you know, you want to keep striving for that excellence. And in my case, I, I realized that I'm, it's kind of getting pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. And to me, the, the biggest challenge was, okay, well now what, what do you do with that? I've spent my entire career in stock. And so my solution to that is where I am now. And it's to keep feeding, feeding yourself. And I've kind of always told, you know, I've built many um, creative teams in the past, um, amazing designers I've worked with. And, and that was actually probably the best stuff that I've done my whole career um, is, is the people um, kind of guiding them. But what I, used to always tell them is like, if you're, if you're out of your comfort zone, that's when you grow. Yep. And so here I am after all these designers that have come into my, my teams and have moved on to do amazing things and have done amazing things. And so here I am, um, going, I'm not out of my comfort zone. And so I put myself out of my comfort zone and I've been growing a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, uh, and I love it. So, so that's, that's probably the, the most challenging time and I've taken those steps to get past it and yeah, I'm looking forward to what's next. That's perfect. That's a great answer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the changing career, um, you know, at the level and experience that you're at in your career is, uh, I can see that definitely being a tough one to navigate, I yeah. guess would be the right way to say it. So yeah. And I mean, it was, it, it should have happened a little bit earlier too. And I think, mm-hmm. but, um, that kind of speaks to, when designers or creatives get into comfort zone, I guess anyone for that matter, but um, specifically since we're, you know, talking about design and um, it's, it's easy to get into that and to maybe stay there way too long. Yeah. So kick yourself out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or throw yourself out of it, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So take us to a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Uh, what was that like and how did that feel? Well, uh, thankfully it doesn't, it hasn't happened a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, um, probably because, um, you know, if you, if you truly sit down and I've always been trained to do this is to figure out what you're trying to accomplish, who you're speaking to and too often designers and especially today just go straight to a solution. And I think that's ripe for failing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've, I was trained and I've always kind of trained my um, creative teams and like really understand what you're trying to do and then, and then solve it and do it in the, in the most unique way that you can. And, and that's always, you know, pretty much worked out. Um, probably the one that would come to mind now. Um, and I could probably speak to a few of them. Um, so when we, when we started dissolve, um, we kind of changed the way we marketed um, to people. So instead of, you know, direct marketing or advertising per se, we moved to creating content mm-hmm. and then distributing via social and that whole, that whole avenue. And as most companies are doing today. And to me, what that, that brought a, a ton of challenges because you couldn't, you couldn't really articulate, okay, who exactly is it for? 
or who's going to watch it. You could say who you wanted it for, but then what exactly you're trying to accomplish. And as it goes through their feeds um, and you're kind of, I guess, wrought with all this constraints that you maybe didn't have before. But um, so producing content that you think is going to be successful. And there's a bunch of videos that, that we've done um, for dissolve that, Mm -hmm that were like, that were like, this is going to be amazing. People are going to love this. And then it just, it just falls flat. And, and I guess my advice to that is that happens. Um, You can't hit a home run every time and then, you know, keep doing it um, because not everyone is a home run. And I kind of learned that through the dissolve days where, you know, you can't write a hit song every single project. Yep. Um, But you can keep, keep trying to swing for the fence keep doing some crazy ideas, um, keep doing things that excite you. And then, and then a good chunk of them will, will resonate. And, and that's exactly what happens. So we, you know, um, you're lull, you're doing some stuff, it doesn't resonate and you get a, something like this is a generic brand video would hit and it would, um, go through or a couple of the other videos we did. Um, so it kind of keeps you, you know, I guess encouraged that, mm-hmm. you know, you're not crazy. You're not, the idea of swinging for the fence is if it doesn't wane every time, it's not, it's not a bad idea. You should yep. still do it. So basically you, you learned to feel the failures as a team, but don't let that stop you continue to produce content. And sometimes you get surprised by what hits and what doesn't. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing is like, you know, you kind of know, like, you know, as, as a creative team and you trust your gut and you, you go, okay, this is, this is going to be amazing based on everything else we're doing and we're seeing. And, and, um, it doesn't always hit and, but yeah, some, sometimes it does. And so you got to keep trusting that. And the other problem with today is, you know, it's just, you know, you look at how you compete with your competitors on, you know, like thinking back to, you know, if you do an ad campaign somewhere, you know, you put it in the right uh, magazine or, or whatever. And, and it, you know, the only people reading it are probably your audience and the only people advertising in it are your competitors um, in, in a large sense. Um, but today, you know, you put content into a, a feed and you're not only competing with your own competitors in your space, you're competing with everyone trying to get someone's, it someone's consumer's attention. Yep. Absolutely. And now you're competing with everything. So it's, it's just, it's really daunting, but yeah, I think you just keep, keep creating compelling work (laughs) and some of them will, will make their way through. All right. So what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Well, right now, and this is part of why I'm growing is um, just learning this whole consumer package good space, Mm -hmm. which is, which is completely new to me. Um, you know, as a consumer, you're fascinated with it as a, especially as a design consumer, mm-hmm. even though you may not be designing for it, you're, you know, you're like, well, you know, here's, here's some amazing packaging and here's why. And, but once you get into it and start understanding the mechanics of it, um, that isn't always the packaging that will work to elevate your, your, the company you're working with and, or their sales and all this stuff. So now you have to learn a whole new, um, environment, um, to understand, you know, what, what is going to get, bring success to them, plus being able to do some, some amazing stuff. So, so that's probably the most challenging for me right now, but I'm loving it. Good. Love the challenges. Mm-hmm. So I'm turning the corner to the happy place here. Okay. Take us to, take <laughs> us to a specific project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of, um, either one that makes your heart sing or one of the biggest design feathers in your cap. 
Um, mm -hmm. Well, I think some of the, the stuff I'm the most proud of, I think, was, and we spoke of it earlier, was a lot of the work we did for, for Veer. And um, some of the projects I remember there were, were pretty amazing. Um, you know, like giving creatives an outlet because we were speaking to ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, one was just a quick one was a lot of fun. We did a, a series of books um, and it was a summer activity book for creatives. And, you know, the brief turned out to be a pretty, pretty boring brief, but we, we said, well, let's, let's do this kind of Archie comic book style marketing piece <laughs> with tons of value and things like instead of the games it was things like choose the photoshop filter or um, out of these 30 typefaces which is helvetica out of all the sense serifs and and it was this activity book that they could take with them on summer holidays and and that cut through all the clutter they eventually i think we did a series of six or eight of them um, every year and we eventually sold the piece so that was pretty cool but probably um the ones that kind of were dear to my heart um, in both companies with Veer and with Dissolve, um, we, we took the opportunity to, to do some good as well. And, and um, with Veer, we did uh, Creatives Care. We launched a campaign um, for hurricane relief. Um, we were able to give proceeds um, from our sales to, to help. And I think creatives really loved that. Um, on top of being a brand that really resonated with them, they they also came came on board, going, yeah, that's awesome. We you know we we'd love to do that, and it was successful, but it also raised a ton of money. And then we did this a similar thing with Dissolve. Um, we did Dissolve for a cause, and it was an opportunity where, in in the exact same way, um, we had filmmakers and agencies who were working on projects could could give to a charity um, given whatever whatever the need was. And and then we expanded it out to the, the projects that mattered to them. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just, hey, Red Cross needs help, do this. It turned into, uh, um, you might be working on a passion project as an agency. Um, and and Dissolve's still doing that today. Um, so if anyone's listening and, and you're working with a, a pro bono client, um, you know, you're giving your time and your passion to something that matters to you. Dissolve wants to walk alongside you and and give you free footage mm -hmm. um, for for those projects. So, um, Dissolve for a Cause was was another pretty cool one. And those are great. I can easily see how those would sit with you and resonate with you. Yeah. So, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Um. Well, obviously the um, the creative suite, even though um, they kind of have you, <laughs> you can't get <laughs> yeah. around it. Yeah. But you can't live without that. That's um, you know supported Adobe all these years, still still do. Um, I would probably say if you're if you're working on any videos and not to, not to plug Dissolve, but Dissolve stock footage is, is an amazing resource. Um, it's uh, you know, it's real, it's authentic, um, high quality. So that's something. And then one, one thing now, just with working, you know, in, in the space I am now, mm -hmm. um, one thing I found is amazing is, um, you know, the new iPads with, um, with, you know, procreate as an app, it's amazing how fast and you can iterate with sketching and, you know, copy and paste and, and go over and just the tools have come so far. Um, to me, I'm, I'm overly I'm impressed with the iPad. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. That's a great one. You're not the first one to say that with the, uh, the iPad pros with the Apple pencils, it comes up quite. Yeah. A bit. It's unbelievable. That's it crazy. really is. It's so, game changing. 
So I don't know if uh, I told you about this or not, but we have a new feature on the show called the pay it forward question. So yeah. I give you as my guest today an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell them or tell you who it is, um, but you can ask anything you want and I will ask that guest the question. So while you are thinking of that question, mm-hmm. I have a question from my previous yeah. guest. Oh, okay. So my previous guest was Ben Oshiak. He's a freelance designer, um, sort of focusing on brand experiences, which was a really unique conversation. Um, he's currently in New York. So his question to my next guest, which is you, is when you sit down on an airplane and you look around you, your surroundings, pamphlets, environments, everything, what is the first thing you would redesign on a plane if you could redesign anything? The first thing I would redesign... Um, that's a really good one. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm just trying to think of some of the, um, you know, less obvious choices there. A lot of them need to be redesigned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because my mind instantly went to the functionality of things like the table thing coming down the, the, you know, the, the envelope or the pouch itself and all those things. But I think you mean more the you know, the pieces around no, it can mean whatever you want it to mean your interpretation of it. Okay. I, I think then probably the most annoying thing is the pouch itself. There's got to be a better way to distribute all of this stuff and maybe it's all digital. Um, but that pouch is, is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Perfect. So do you have a question in mind that you would like to ask of the next guest? Ah, well, one thing, um, the first thing that came to my mind, but um, one thing I've been fascinated as a, as a designer myself, and I'm trying to formulate an actual question out of this, but um, here's what it is, Dave. So I've, as I've had you know, kids and as I've um, experienced the world around me more, mm-hmm. uh, I've began to appreciate the uncurated a hell of a lot more than I did before. You know, as a designer, you're like, well, okay, my my bag for my laptop has has to be something that I love uh-huh. or it has to be something designed or it has to be all these things. The restaurants I go to have to kind of reflect me, right? And it has to be like super beautiful and curated food and all these things and, you know, perfect logo on the outside when you walk in and just because you're a designer, this is what you surround yourself with. But then um, personally, you know, when, you're, when your son or daughter gets you a gift and they're so happy about it, uh-huh. here's a new laptop bag, for example, and it's not something you like. It's not something you think is well-designed, but you use it for a couple of years and it now becomes part of you. Or um, I moved out to the country about 15 minutes away from Calgary, um, out in the foothills, uh-huh. and um, there's a little pub in in the town, uh, Pritis is where I'm from, um, and it is probably the least curated place you'd ever <laughs> go to like okay. it's changed it's changed hands many times someone donated furniture the lighting's terrible it's like wallpaper over here like nobody's cared about all of that but it is wonderful and it is real and it is authentic so maybe my question is um what uncurated thing in your life do you love i love it maybe that's what it is 
I love it. I'm going to ask the next guest that question. <laughs> and I also say sorry, because that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. So the, way, also says sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the way that I'm finishing off episodes now is with the lightning round. I've got 10 questions that are meant to be just one to two word answers, super fast questions. Some of them yeah. design related, some of them just quirky and allow you to share your personality. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to hammer away with this. You ready to go? Yep. All right, the lightning round. Question one, what's your favorite carnival food? Uh, corn dog. Ooh, what's a word that starts with the letter Q? Quirty. <laughs> have, you ever slept on a, have you ever slept on a trampoline? Nope. Unlimited flights around the world for a year or a million dollars cash? Million dollars cash. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at bowling? Four. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Disney character? Iron Man. Oh, if you could time travel, what year would you go back to first? Two thousand and seven. Oh, okay, I'm not even going to ask why. I'm just going to leave it. There. <laughs> <laughs> what is the song that you last listened to? Oh boy. It was the um, intro to Paw Patrols because of my two year old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I'll be there on the double. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to pick one. Would you rather box Mike Tyson or a kangaroo? Mike Tyson. <laughs> Final question. You have to start over in your design career. Everything you have ever done has been erased from history except for one project. What is it? Summer activity book for creatives. Perfect. Ah, oh, Sheldon, you made it through the lightning round. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one, Dave. Yeah. Those are harder than the other questions. Oh, awesome. I should have started with those then. <laughs> <laughs> Sheldon, I wanted to thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been great chatting. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you really enjoyed this. Um, what a great question he asked there, the uncurated. Um, so I'm going to be asking that question of the next guest. Make sure you tune in for that because that will be an interesting answer. Thank you again for listening. Head over to iTunes and please leave a rating and review for the show. I would really appreciate it. Have an awesome day. Thanks again.